You know, Doug's been working a lot of hours at the Duquesne Light Home and Garden Show and, you know, slaving over a computer terminal and the videos and all the stuff he does at TribLive.com. So I wanted to give him a rare treat, but he'll have a hard time to focus today because it's a Mary Tyler Moore marathon on Decades TV. So I put it on the monitor today so you can just suffer the morning away. She was absolutely breathtaking and what a tremendous talent. Well, I don't know if you know this, but I have some uh, attention problems. Really? (laughs) Yeah. When I was a kid, I would be just staring out the school window at the flowering crab apple trees you so and me if you both. have mary tyler Moore, but it wasn't the apple trees i was staring you have at. mary tyler moore up going on in the corner and then she was great uh, just a phenomenal show sorry jess i know Je- Jess. this is before your era you're too young to to know this but this is a really amazing show that uh this woman in the 70s who who leaves her hometown and goes to the big city minnesota and, yeah, st paul the big city and and uh, as a television producer, you know, stands up for herself, stands up to Lou Grant, and stands up for the right things. It was it was a, a Ed a, Asner, a, Ted Knight, yeah, uh, um, who else? Um, Valerie Harper, Cloris um, Leachman, Cloris Leachman, Nancy Walker, of course, the late great character actress who played uh, Rhoda Morgenstern's mother, and Mary Tyler Moore. That was produced by MTM Productions. Her husband Grant Teekner at the time. So a lot of history there. Great, great television series. So Jess, when you're just answering, and the- you guys laugh at me for knowing botanical <laughs> I, names, I and know, you know all I know. Of this stuff. You can tell where my which head's one's at, more huh? useful. Come on, kid. He, he he knows the name of the actress that played Rhoda's mom. And who produced <laughs> you know why? it? Because who- last night, <laughs> while I was in my it? kitchen eating dinner, she actually was in one of the early episodes from 1970. The show actually ran to like 77. But, it, you know, as you said, what was great about it, and for a guy who really loves the fact that women have really helped me a lot of my life, five sisters, a very wonderful mother, and, of course, mothers of my children, she was the first independent woman yeah. to really kind of strike out and be successful. And it really, I think it really said a lot for the times, and it really has left a lasting legacy. That's, it was groundbreaking. All I ask you is sometime today... If Watch you, one in, episode. In all my spare time. If you it. have a minute after yoga and uh, taking <laughs> and care you of your else. entire family and getting your garden ready and writing all your articles. Oh, you know what I want to talk about right off the bat? What? All right. What is the name of the book that just came out? Your your big, fantastic book about containers. What's the official name? Container Gardening Complete. Amazing book. The To me, the, 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 the best book I've ever seen on containers. Uh, and I, 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 I mean that sincerely. That's, that's, Thanks. That's not just because we work together. I was blown away by it. Now you're in part of a, you're part of another book. Yeah. It's amazing. What you is that? You got to hustle, what? man. I'm like Mary Tyler Moore uh, of 2017. You got to hustle, uh, right? All right. <laughs> you know what, Jessica? You've got, what? you've got spunk. Is that what he says uh-huh. on the and, thing? And don't oh, forget Gavin was... McCloud, who starred as Ms. <laughs> oh, Captain Steubing. Again, right? Captain Steubing on here, the Love Boat. That's where he. So what is the, what the is Gardening book, Complete? Yeah. So the new book is called Gardening Complete. So that is a, a book that is has multiple contributors. So I've contributed three chapters to that book. One of my friends is part of that book, George Weigel. Right? George Weigel yeah. is a part of that book. Tara Nolan is a part of it. Uh, Jacqueline Soul is a part of it. So there's a whole bunch of authors from this publisher, Cool Springs Press, who have come together to create this book called Gardening Complete. So if you have someone in your life or you are um, maybe a new gardener or uh, you know you want to know a little bit more about gardening or approaching things from different techniques, it's a it's an excellent reference book for that. You're so going to cool. make it after all. 
Now that I know, because isn't that the... Yeah, right? You know what? Oh See, gosh. I should have never put it on. I would like to say this <laughs> in my finished. defense. I was six years old when the show went off the air. And so I'm pretty sure that the theme was a little too mature for a six-year-old. Yeah. But realize, I will have to check it out as a grown-up. You realize we were out of high school trying to find our way. You were. Yeah, that's right. I was about 12, 13. I was 10 when it came on the air, actually. So uh, today I am at the uh, 37th annual Duquesne Light Home and Garden Show. I'm there every day. Today, 12 noon, 3 p.m., Come see me speak. I've got lots of stuff to give away. A trip to Falling Water. Everyone gets some heirloom tomato seeds, a chance to win flower carpet roses. And uh, on the weekdays, I'm there 5 to 7, and we're having a lot of fun. If you want to come see me speak, just uh, find that Everybody Gardens link, and there's a special deal for you to come see me speak. But you better get on there pretty quick because i got a ton of people that have signed up that are coming, and uh, I'd love to see you. All right, listen, we'll take the 10th caller right now to win our first gift certificate of the day from Sorgles. You have to call 412-922-1020. You can call in the show and talk to Doug and Jess at 866-391-1020 and also text us at 866-391-1020. Text line is brought to you by Right Automotive, the best deal in town. And you can reach us at Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkaradio.com. Good morning. All right, 866-391-1020, dollar bank, instant access, kdkradio.com. The winner is Lou from McDonald, that $25 gift certificate from Sorgo. So what's on your mind today, Doug and Jess? Well, Jess, getting a lot of questions about getting started, of course. And I'm, I'm, I was in, actually, KDK TV, and the guy was like, well, I want to get my mulch down. I said, uh, oh, uh, no. uh, uh, I said, we were just talking about this on the air, and Jessica was saying, way too early. Uh, boy, it is... Uh, <laughs> You just, so the birds are saying that you, you get a, a warm day. Tomorrow's going to be, or today's going to be 50. Tomorrow's going to be 50. Oh. It's inspiring. Yes. The weather is inspiring, which is a good thing. But you don't get so inspired that you go out and rush to do things. I mean, the soil is definitely, I mean, with all this rain we've been having, oh my goodness, if you put mulch down now, you're going to be locking in, the soil is just going to be, super waterlogged for a very long time. You definitely want to allow that soil to dry out. Plus, you know, we've what what was that one year, 96 or whatever, we had three feet of snow on uh, yep, yep, March, yep. whatever it was, the 15th or something like that. So uh, definitely too early to get out and do those types of things yet. For me, you know, you want to exercise your green thumb, man, start some seeds, uh, Get some, order some cool tomatoes or interesting peppers or heirloom varieties of broccoli or something like that. And, and you know, I have a pepper I want to talk about. Okay. It's a new. You got very serious all of a sudden. I have a pepper I need to oh talk to you gosh. about. Oh my gosh. Mary Tyler Moore has just disappeared for a pepper. Who? Usually that only happens for a tomato. Roulette. You actually turned your back on that monitor. So you, on Mary. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Roulette. It's a habanero that doesn't have heat. Well, what's the fun in a habanero with no heat? Because it has the wonderful flavor without the pain. Okay. So it has that. We you know I eat habaneros because I want that flavor, but the pain is tough. And so I'm really excited about roulette. It's a new All America selection, and uh, I I got a packet of them. I've given them to somebody to grow out. So I'll be I'll be selling a flat of them, or somebody will be selling a flat of them. I'm just going to tell you, point you in the right direction where they're going to be. I just think that's. Exciting. I, I just, I, I had one uh, last year and the year before called Zavery, which again was a habanero type that was sweeter, a little bit of heat. And the same with this roulette. I just, I love that idea. Mm -hmm. I love the taste of a habanero, but it's just uh, that it's 
you know, when I'm when I'm putting them on the grill, I'm cutting them in half. I'm taking everything I possibly can out of the middle to, to try and reduce yeah, the heat. So much of that heat's in the seeds and yeah. that uh, white. Yeah, yeah, but still, still, you know, you get enough of it. It'll wake you up. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually ever recognize that habaneros have a flavor because I mm. can't get past the heat. Yeah. So yeah. it it doesn't even. I guess it would be kind of smoke like a smoky flavor. Exactly. Is that what exactly. It is? There's okay. just there's some kind of an. It's same with the ghost chili. Yeah. I guess that's what makes the pepper like you know. I know it's like kind of a novelty. Oh, Carolina Reaper ghost pepper habanero. They're super hot. I want to grow them and see what they're like. But when you do get that flavor. On all those peppers, they're, it's an amazing flavor, but the, the, the fire is just too much for most people, certainly for me. Yeah. I was just looking yesterday. It was interesting. I was searching for a photo for a project, and I was looking through my pepper photos, and I came across one that I grew last year. And gosh, if I can't think of the name of it, I'll, I'll maybe try to look it up during the news break, but it's Spiral. It's a, a long, thin red pepper, and it grows in a spiral. And I have, I have pictures of them sitting on my back patio table. And they're, and it's a big, wide, twisty spiral. And it, it's a name like um, like Fibonacci or something like that, right, in that spiral shape. And, uh, and they were so good. They, it's a sweet pepper, but it has that look, you know, that long, thin red look of a hot pepper, mm. but it was uh, a twisted. And there was another one that I grew um, that was a yellow... Uh, tapered, slightly curved. It looks like a moon, like a slice of the moon. And that was yellow. That was really pretty. For me in my garden at home, I never have a whole lot of luck with the bell peppers, the sweet bell peppers. I will get a few on each plant every I'm year. The, I'm the same way. For me, I think it's it's just not enough sun. Well, and for me, I think I'm maybe, even though I'm trying to choose the varieties that have a shorter season and mature better, I just don't have as much luck with those. But boy, that, like that lipstick pimento pepper, I have, I love that lipstick variety. It's a red, sweet, super sweet, thick walled pimento pepper uh, that I usually grow from seed every year. Really like that one. One bell pepper I used to have good luck with when I was growing them. I'm more interested in other peppers, to tell you the truth yeah. now, but is one called Ace. And there's probably one that's improved since then. You know, mm-hmm. This is like 80s. But that is, puts on peppers really quick and reliably puts on decent-sized bell peppers. Uh, if you could find it, that's that's kind of a cool one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you're talking California Wonder. Yeah. And that it's thing just ta- yeah, well, it yeah. takes forever. And, yeah. you know, it's like one pepper. And unless you have full sun and... Uh, yeah, I tend to have better luck too. I agree with you that the bell peppers sort of, um, I, I feel like I can buy those inexpensively at the farmer's market where I like to grow sort of more of the novelty peppers at home. I definitely like, my husband likes the hot peppers, so we usually do a couple of those every year, but the sweet peppers. Now there was, you also grew a, a um, jalapeno last year that was a very mild, was that last year or the year before you were telling me about? Yeah, I can't, you know... It, they, <laughs> the they, it's so funny they come it, and right. go and with all the names and everything and it's right. just like hey here try this habanero or this jalapeno that's really mild that i don't know the name of yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny i've been uh, teaching um at pit this this program called osher it's for lifelong learning you have to be 55 or older to to take the classes and i'm up there you know and i'm i'm like I'm rattling off the names of all these things, you know, these people that I shouldn't even be able to remember. And then I come to something like from yesterday and it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. And I tell them, I'll remember it when I'm driving home. Right. Or two <laughs> o'clock in the morning when you wake up in the middle of the night, you're like, oh, that's what that was. Oh, yeah. Man, I'll that, tell you. That happens to me. And then by the time I wake up in the morning, I forget it. So the lesson is to sleep with a 
a pen and a pad of paper next to the bed. So when you remember things at 2 a.m., you can write it down. I ordered some seeds. I was inspired by, we had Nikki Jabor on. Was it last week or the week before? I don't remember. The week remember. before, uh, I think, yeah. And Veggie Garden Remix is her uh, book. And I ordered from Baker Creek some of these rat tail uh, radishes. Oh, yeah. Because I'm really into the- Explain to people what they so are. So it's just, it's growing above ground. You know, you're getting all these seed pods, basically, that are look like a rat tail. And they they have that flavor of a radish. I know, right? But they have the flavor of a radish. And that's the thing. Even with a regular radish, I'm always talking about picking the seed pods and using them in, in the in the kitchen. But this one is specifically bred to grow big seed pods that will stay nice and tender. With a regular radish, I always tell people if a couple don't head up, let it go. Let it flower. First the flowers, you know, mm-hmm. are great great for beneficial insects. And then they put on little seed pods. And instead of one really nice, crisp, wonderful radish root, you'll get all these seed pods. That so you get them early, they taste kind of like a radish. They're, they're good. They're It's always fun to throw them in a salad and people wonder what it is and, mm-hmm. you know, leap of faith to yeah. eat. And But the rat tail, again, you know, it, it's made to, to, to grow that way. I just, man, I just... I love growing weird, different stuff like that. That's I guess that's why Veggie Garden Remix for me was like such a exciting book because I love growing weird stuff. You know, yeah. I'm giving away these chocolate stripe uh, tomatoes to you and I. I don't think chocolate stripe is anything out of the ordinary. Yeah. You know, I gave them to you a couple of years ago. We grow yeah. them. You grow. I had somebody come up and uh, wonder about white tomatoes. You yeah. Know? And I said, well, Jessica's one of her favorite tomatoes is Snow White Cherry. To them, it was like this. A white tomato? Are yeah. you serious? And White Queen is amazing too. And that's a big beefsteak tomato that's white. It's I used so to grow good. one called White Tomasel, T O M S E L. Okay, so now how do I remember the name of a tomato that I grew in the nineteen eighties and can't remember the <laughs> habit the jalapeno I grew two seasons ago? Right. I don't get it. I don't know. One made a bigger impression. I don't know what it is. But... I think it was because it was so exciting. To I had never right. heard of a white tomato. Right. And so Chocolate Stripes is getting a lot of reaction from people. Uh, you know how I love to tease kids in the audience. And there's there some kids yesterday. And I said, would you eat a striped tomato? And this little kid was just like lipping, licking his lips and saying, I sure would. <laughs> well, we want to hear from you too out there, listeners, and what, yeah. you're, what you are growing in your garden this year that's fun and unusual, or even your old standbys and your favorites, because this is how we learn about different varieties as well. And uh, and other, other listeners can learn about things that you love and you grow and where you get them and how do we source the plants and all that good stuff. Because we know too that all of our sponsors and local nurseries here in Pittsburgh, I mean, they offer a huge diversity of tomato varieties and pepper varieties and what are your favorites we'd love to learn about them all right let's say hi to brad in fayette city brad welcome to the organic gardeners on kdk radio good morning guys uh good to hear you again good to hear you what's going on well i got some tulips coming up and this morning i get up and the ground is white with frost and i was wondering if they would be frozen they will be a-okay. They uh, will, even if we get snow on top of them at this point, they'll be all right. Sometimes oh. if we have daffodils that bud up or or tulips that bud up really early and then we get super cold weather, that bud will blast. But the bulbs themselves will be okay down tucked underneath the ground. So, yeah, mine are up at home as well. My hyacinths are poking up out of the ground. I, I have daffs that are blushing, those ones really? that are close to the house. And I think it's looking pretty good right now. You yeah. know, 27, now, that... 20... I have yucca plants out there. They never, nothing ever bothers them. I yeah. mean, they're, 
they're really hardy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. worry. Don't worry about your yucca plants. <laughs> they <laughs> okay, will. Out, they will outlive us, Keith Richards, and cockroaches. <laughs> All right, Brad. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Brad. All right. Uh, from the Right Automotive text line, got a number of text messages already. Uh, can I apply corn gluten now? I'm seeding. I'm seeing weeds growing in the grass and garden. That's from Anne Marie. Too early. Too early for the corn gluten meal. And I don't know if we have time, but we should explain real quick how corn gluten meal works. Yeah. So corn gluten meal is a byproduct of the corn milling process, and uh, it is applied to the ground and and forms a barrier on the soil that prevents uh, seed germination. And so it's great as a crabgrass preventative or, um, you know, weed preventative in a perennial bed or something like that. You don't ever want to use it in a vegetable garden or somewhere where you want to grow things from seed. But you usually put that first application down right around the time that the forsythia are blooming. And uh, they're not blooming yet. It's much too early because that indicates the right soil temperature for a lot of common weeds to germinate. It won't get rid of existing weeds, though. So if you have weeds in your lawn that are already up and at them, the corn gluten meal is not going to you know, get rid of those. It's only going to prevent new ones from germinating. All right. Uh, is it okay to rake the leaves off the yard? I know you said do not touch the flower beds. Yeah, for the grass, I'm, I'm raking my leaves off the grass, but I'm leaving them, per your instructions, Jess, on my flower beds, and everything's coming up through there. Yep. I've got it on, though, like where I it blew at the end of the season, and I didn't, and it's real thick. Yeah, I mean, real when you thick. have real, I was just going to say, when you live in an oak forest like you do, and you have inches and inches and inches piled on top of things, you might want at the very least clear it away off of the crowns of I the plants. I think I'm just going to blow a little bit, Yeah, a little bit of that top layer off, because again, I got lots of bulbs coming up through there. I don't want to, don't want to disturb them. Right, right. All right, uh, where can I purchase uh, Jessica's book, Container Gardening? Ah, you can get it anywhere. You can purchase it on Amazon. You can purchase it at your local Barnes & Noble or independent booksellers. Just about anywhere. You can go. also get it through my website, which is uh, jessicawalliser.com. She'll actually be down at the point um, selling them on the street <laughs> That's corner. That's not true. Here's Container Gardener. Everybody, listen. It's Container Gardening Complete. Container Gardening Complete. <laughs> Everybody listens after everybody gardens, and everybody should join him later today at the Duquesne Light Pittsburgh Home and Garden Show. And everybody should call in right now because, listen, those seeds, maybe something you're doing for the first time, you want to get some early ideas on how to plant it to make it last until the harvest and just look at it in all its beauty, you need to call us right now at 866-391-1020. Noel House producing today in for the vacationing Bambino. He and Andy Am Ryan watching a little pirate baseball down south in Bradenton, Florida for the next couple of days. So if you want to get on board now, it'd be a great time to call 866-391-1020. All of our lines are open. That's 866-391-1020 or Dollar Bank Instant Access at kdkaradio.com. Good morning. All right, Bean just stepped out for a minute. We can talk just for a few more moments about Mary Tyler Moore, the marathon on decades. We forgot Betty White. Yeah, I I can't believe we forgot her. Yeah. She was great. Great character in that. Who else, though? Somebody else we forgot, too. You talk about a guy who was involved in a lot of television shows for years behind the scenes, Jim Brooks. Oh, yeah. James L. Brooks. James L. Brooks, rather. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Okay. All right, she's back. We, can, we can't we can talk about Mary Tyler Moore Doris anymore. Day show next weekend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Mike in Bridgeville. Welcome to the program. Hey, Mike. Hi. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for your program. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. What's on your mind? Um, my wife and I recently purchased a house in Apollo, and um, we're going to start square foot gardening. And um, we purchased, well, we, we received many seed catalogs. And one of them had something that we wanted to try, and it was artichokes. And according to the um, 
seed provider, uh, zone six would be okay to consider them to be perennials. And I just wanted to see if you guys had any um, insight as to how to actually make them successful as perennials. I have seen it work, but I think it's really tough, you know, and, and I think they need to be started like in February and it's, it's, I'm not sure if that's the right thing to start with. I've always dreamed of, of growing them, but even I'm intimidated by artichokes. Yeah, I mean, they're not an easy crop to grow. It's doable. I actually grew them in containers for a couple of years and moved the containers into the garage for the winter to overwinter them. Um, I know people who grow them actually up in New England, and they uh, use a big cylinder of wire fencing and fill it with straw and, uh, you know, shredded up leaves in the fall and cover the plants with that. And even that's an iffy as to whether or not they're going to overwinter. It's kind of one of those experimental crops that, you know, you may or may not have success with. Uh, but the thing about it is if you, you know, why not try? If you, if you, if you look at that in a, in a catalog and you see it and like, give it a shot, you know. In the immortal words of uh, Stymie from The Little Rascals, it might have choked Artie, but it ain't going to choke me. You know what? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> and speaking of alfalfa, how do you grow alfalfa? Hey, um, I thought that was pretty good. You'll go home, you'll laugh. Ed Asner, too. We forgot to mention Ed oh, Asner. Right. Oh, great. Any more calls? <laughs> no, no, no. More calls. It's all Mary Tyler Moore. What's Nancy have to say about Mary Tyler Moore and Butler? Nancy, welcome to KDK. By the way, 10th caller right now wins a $25 gift certificate from the good folks at Janoski's getting ready for that big St. Patrick's Day buffet at uh, 412-922-1020. Hi, Nancy. How are you? Welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning. I remember Dick Van Dyke very well. Yes. I have a question. I I don't know whether to just remove it or trim it. I have like two 50-year-old trees about 15 foot in height, one's a lilac, one's a rose of Sharon. Uh, it appears that the only top two feet has greenery. When do I trim or just okay. remove it? And- yeah, so the lilac should, is best trimmed uh, usually around in March sometime before the plants start to bud out. But do be aware that when you do prune a lilac this time of year, you are cutting off your flower buds for this year. But it sounds like because all of the growth is at the top of the plant that you really need to do a good rejuvenative pruning. So you really need to get in there, take at least a third of the stems if it's multi-branched all the way back down to the ground, which will... Whoa. Yep. Yes, well, it's, 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 a it's hard. hard. It's, a heart, it's a heartbreaker. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, hard to it's do. definitely hard to do. But it will generate new growth from the base, which will then go on to fill in that bottom layer. And uh, and that's what rejuvenative pruning is. I mean, it's really going in there and, and tackling that. Uh, with the Rosa Sharon, um, <laughs> you can't kill it. So you could cut the whole darn plant all the way to the ground and it would uh, take a couple of years to rebound, but it would rebound quite quite nicely. It's just like a yucca plant. It's just, it's going to Keep going and going and going. <laughs> okay, and, and that's a March pruning as well? Yeah, you could do that in March. You could also do it at the end of the year, too, um, to prevent all the seeds from going everywhere and making them and making a big weedy mess. So. But don't forget, you want those seeds to feed the birds, Jessica. That is true. However, then the birds poop them out, and then you have baby Rosa Sharons everywhere. Ask me <laughs> right, I'm, I'm going to take my shot at this because even with your glasses, I don't think you can see this from here. All right. uh, but it's, uh, is the word... Canna rhizomes? Is uh-huh. that- yep. Yep. Oh, wow. First it's, time it's for two, everything. It's two words, but yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, is it time to start potting them? 
You could, if you have grow lights inside, you could pot your canna rhizomes up and in like you know six inch pots or eight inch pots and have them under grow lights and have them get a nice good start before you take them out. They should not go outside until after the middle of May, though. So, you know, you might want to hold off a little bit so they're not too big. There's also a new canna that I'm uh, interested in, and actually Mrs. Know-It-All grew it at the uh, South Park. South Pacific Orange is a canna you can start from seed. Oh, cool. Uh, And, you know, six weeks before the season... You'll have a big enough plant where you can get it out. Wow! Uh, and I think that's kind of cool. And it's, it's you know it's a shorter one, and it has that tropical look of the orange flower. Mm-hmm. Uh, really cool looking plant. Nice. All right, another text message from the Right Automotive, the best deal in town text line. It says, "I have a bay plant that I uh, brought in for the winter. Occasionally, the leaves have a sticky sheen on them. Oh boy! I'm very curious to know why. Yeah, oh, that boy. sticky sheen is a sign of a pest infestation uh, with bay laurel. It's Probably scale would be my guess, which would uh, appear as little bumps along the stems, little brown raised bumps. Uh, Scale are insects that, um, except for a short period of their life, are immobile. So they just attach themselves to the stem. And that stickiness that you're seeing on the leaves is their excrement, which is called honeydew. And when you see that, that's almost always a sign of a pest infestation. Um, Aphids make that same sticky honeydew. Mealybugs do as well. And then also the scale. So get in there with a, a... cotton ball or q-tips soaked in rubbing alcohol and wipe off all the stems and that will then remove that pest and you'll be crushing them as you as you wipe off the stem that's the best way to get rid of scale oh yeah the winner for that gift certificate from janoski's bob from clarion congratulations you won yourself a 25 dollars gift certificate to janoski's route 30 in clinton pennsylvania okay let's go to baden and say good morning to elizabeth up next with doug and jess on the organic gardeners next hour soup and stews on the coons cooking hour with joe and frank dentici on kdk radio good morning elizabeth good morning good morning um i have a quick question about moles in the ground and i don't think that they're voles but um they've attacked my yard and i don't know when the appropriate time is to treat it and what to use. Okay, first and foremost, if they are moles with an M, they are not attacking your yard. They uh, are... Attack of the moles. (laughs) They They are. (laughs) They are insectivores. So what they are actually attacking are the grubs and earthworms. And as a result, they are leaving mounds of soil uh, and ridges of soil in your lawn. But they are not attacking and eating your turf grass. They're just leaving those mounds of soil as they excavate their tunnels in search of insects to eat. Okay? okay. So that's first and foremost. We don't want to give moles a bad rap because they're just doing <laughs> the thing that they're supposed to do, right? But I know how unsightly those mounds of soil can be in the lawn because I have them in my lawn as well. At my house, all we do when we see those mounds of soil is just kind of kick them aside. Um, I consider the moles to be good because they they do eat Japanese beetle grubs, oriental beetle grubs, and other insects that do attack our plants. Uh, so in that respect, they're good. But if you absolutely can't stand those mounds of soil um, in your lawn, you can use a mold deterrent. Uh, I like the granular ones that are based on castor oil. The one, uh, I, the one I like the best is called mole scram. So I was just going to ask you, you and, really like that one. Well, I've, I've, I've been giving it out to different people, and mm-hmm. they all come back to me and just swear by it. And, you know, it's just running those bands right. you know every day to to push the moles away so 
Explain that in a better way. It sends them to the neighbors, basically, (laughs) is what it does. It doesn't hurt them in any way. It's just a deterrent, and you apply it, and you do it in a way such that gets them further and further out towards the edge of your property until you then have a barrier of that repellent around the outside edge of your property, and the moles will then stay out of it. You know what their motto is? Location, location, (laughs) location. Take a short break. Come back. Tell them about the Duquesne Light Home and Garden Show. Well, I'm at the the Home home and Garden Show every day. Today, 12 o'clock and 3 o'clock during the weekdays 5 p.m and 7 p.m we'd love to see you uh if you'd like to come you can just go to everybody gardens and and click on there and you can find out how you can get tickets and giving away lots of stuff chocolate striped tomato seeds everybody gets that i actually have some really cool uh tropical cannas to give away also and roses and the trip to falling water just lots of fun stuff stay with us all right, back with doug and jess a couple of more minutes and then we get ready for cbs news top of the hour then it's joe and frank the Folks from Coons Market, Coons Quality Foods, of course, today the show will be talking about soups and stews. They're in the Coons Mobile right now on their way here. All right, then let's go now to uh, Judy in New Alexander. You can wave if you see him out there on the parkway. Judy, go ahead. How are you? Good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning, guys. First of all, I think Randy already headed outside with a chainsaw aiming for my Rose of Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, secondly, I have a question. One of your hosts I was listening to KDK yesterday mentioned a Shakespeare rose, and he said it was actually from Shakespeare time that he had gotten it as a gift from his son. How is that possible? Hmm. Okay, I did not hear that segment, uh, but a lot of old roses are often propagated through cuttings, and so... Uh, a lot of plants are actually propagated through cuttings, which is where they take a, a stem cutting of a plant and then they, plants are not like us, right? So they have the genetic ability for every cell within that plant to create a whole new plant. So when you take a cutting of a plant, you are creating a clone of the parent plant. It's an exact clone. So when we talk about... Would they have, I'm sorry, would they have known how to do that back in Shakespeare? Oh, class? yes. People have been cloning plants and doing those sort of plant propagation since the dawn of agriculture. Absolutely. A rose by any other name. Oh, sorry. (laughs) He actually knew something by Shakespeare. Is it from Shakespeare? (laughs) Oh, Oh, good. My day's complete. That's quoting Shakespeare on a Sunday morning. (laughs) I thought it was was Sid Caesar. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yes, plants can be propagated by that and they... You know, I don't know that. I mean, that might be sort of him stretching the truth. I didn't hear the segment. I don't know anything about it. But, you know, yeah, you can carry on plants through propagation um, like that, cuttings and root cuttings and things for for a very, very huh. long time. So, yep, it is possible. Whether very or not cool. it's probable or true, that I can't say. Judy is married to the compost guy who, who made the roast in the compost pile. Oh, gotcha. We're going to see them okay. later this week at the Home and Garden Show. And yeah. he's right outside now. He's with cutting the chainsaw down his... cutting down that Rose of Sharon. <laughs> All because of you, Jessica. Right. I say go for it. Cut your Rose of Sharon down with a chainsaw. I say love your Rose of Sharon. <laughs> you know, this is becoming like the longest hour of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... Becoming after after 13 years? By the way, Sid Caesar, just... Emma Jean Coker, your show of shows, also part of the Decades TV lineup, along with the great Ed Sullivan show, too. <laughs> Let's just take We're care of We're finally everything. getting to him, Doug. We're finally getting to I'm him. I'm losing it, but you but you realize how talented these people were to do what they did every week, live television. We realize how talented you are. <laughs> no, you don't. Let's go to Mike <laughs> in the South Park. No one does. That's exactly right. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> Mike, good morning. Welcome to KDK Radio, the Organic Gardeners. 
Hi, good morning. Good morning. I have a question. I don't know whether I want to hear the answer or not. Uh-oh. But, uh, yes, I have like 70 pine trees around my house, and they're all about 40 to 50 foot high, and they're all turning brown. From the bottom? Uh, yes, from the mm. bottom up. And I notice on some of the, um, where the needles uh, are, uh, there's uh, like a green mold on some of the uh, branches. Okay, so the green mold is probably a lichen, which is not a mold at all, and that actually has nothing to do with the health of the tree. Um, do you happen to know what type of evergreens they are? You used the word pine, but I'm wondering if they might be a spruce or a fir. No, I think they're pine. They're pine, like white pine, like a long needled? No. Uh, well, they're, well, they were green. <laughs> Green pine. Uh, I don't know. I moved in here. They were already here. So, okay. Uh, okay. So I, I'm actually wondering if they're a, a, another type of evergreen that a lot of times people just use the term pine to collectively refer to all evergreens. But the issue I think you're facing is as a canker, uh, which is a terrible issue that's very easily spread from one tree to the next, uh, especially via pruning equipment. And it starts with that, those branches dying from the bottom and progressing up the tree. Uh, there is nothing that you can do about it. But what I would do is I don't, don't touch the trees until you have an arborist come and take a look at them. So I would actually recommend that you call the folks at Davy Tree and have one of their arborists come out. They'll come out and take a look at it for free and assess and, and tell you if there's anything that can be done to save the trees and tell you how to manage and handle them moving forward. And, and we're going to hope that it's something that is not going to, you know, cause the trees to totally die. But yeah, it doesn't sound promising. Yes, because uh, what would it cost to take down 60 trees? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, and you're going to have to talk to them. Maybe there is something that, 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 that can is, be done. That is the answer you don't want to hear. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, but the only person that's going to be able to tell you definitively right. is a certified arborist and the folks at Davy are who we recommend to do that. Okay. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you. you. Good luck. All right. Let's go to uh, Eleanor. Eleanor, welcome to KDK Radio, the Organic Gardeners. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question about a bonsai gardenia plant that I got last spring. Now, it didn't, it did have scale and I was scraping it off in, with, uh, rubbing alcohol in a Q-tip, but now the buds are coming out. They look like buds anyway, and the, the ends are getting kind of brown and drying, so I don't know. Okay, what. so the ends of the leaves are turning brown and dying? Uh, like at the end of the plant, looks like a little like little buds are coming out. Okay. Are the buds turning brown? Yeah, they're, on the ends they're looking brown and kind of dry looking. Okay, and what's your watering protocol on the on this, uh, uh, I've been gardening. giving it about a, a cup and a half of water every other day, and then I've been mis misting it a couple times a week. Okay, so um, number one with gardenias, you're you're better off doing less frequent waterings, but more thoroughly. So rather than putting just a cup of water on that plant every few days, take the whole plant to the sink and turn the sink on and let it let the water actually flush and run through that plant because what i think is happening is that you're getting fertilizer salt buildup at the growing point of that plant which is causing a salt burn and that's what that brown crispiness is that you're describing 
And so that is prevented. And this happens a lot with houseplants. That's prevented by doing the right kind of watering, which is actually where at least 20% of what you put in the top of the pot is draining out through the bottom. So it's essential that that water actually flush through that soil to wash out any excess fertilizer salts in there, which are probably just in the potting soil. Even if you never fertilized it, uh, there's probably a slow-release fertilizer built into that potting soil. It's a really heavy plant, so I don't think I could carry it to the sink. But I do have a tray under it with rocks, and I guess I could put more water in there and have the tray fill up. Uh, yeah, but you don't ever want to let water sit in that tray. So the trick is oh. to maybe then use a towel or something to to wick up that oh, water that's sitting in the tray, right? Uh, because that will cause root rot if that water or, actually or may- sits in the tray. Maybe just put put it in like a plastic... Like a Tupperware bin or something. Yeah, and then yeah. you can... Even is it is it can you move the plant or is it too heavy even to move? I know you don't want to take it all the way to the kitchen sink, but can you move it in well, and out could, of like yeah, a Yeah, my husband and I could move it. We could move it somewhere. Well just, just to get it in and out of that Tupperware container so it wouldn't sit in the water. Just yeah, like Jess says, get somehow figure out a way to get the water flushed through, but it can't sit in the water, it can't have wet feet. All right, thank you for the call. Quickly, uh, one more thing from our text messages today. Can you tell me how much and when to trim back a holly bush? It's currently about six feet tall by three feet wide. I want to take it back about three feet shorter. What do you think? Wait, how big? Uh, six feet by three feet. I think that's too much to take off. We only want to take off a third, right? Yeah, yeah, a third at like a time. Lot. S- spread that out over two years if you can. So take a you know a third of the plant height off this year, and then you can take the rest of it off next year. I usually like to do it in the middle of winter, so you can do it any time now. Um, it would be fine to prune a holly. Also be careful if it's a conical shaped holly, like if it's an American holly that's shaped like a like a Christmas tree shape. If you prune off that leader, which is the central growing point of that plant, it's going to look awfully silly as a stump and it won't fill in. But if you have like a Japanese holly, which is multiple growing points, then you can prune it real easily and it still looks normal. Noon and three today, Duquesne Light Pittsburgh Home and Garden Show, Doug Oster. That's right. I'm giving away tomato seeds, chance to coat it with to falling water with me and some roses and cannas too. We'll be back. All right, Denise Schreiber, of course, uh, Mrs. Know-It-All not here today. Philadelphia Flower Show, back with Doug and Jess next week. Doug headed to the Duquesne Light Pittsburgh Home and Garden Show, and they just keep rolling, folks, week after week, month after month, year after year, every Sunday between 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. It's the Organic Gardeners. Have you seen much insect action out there on the warm days? No, but I keep seeing pictures on Facebook of people with bees, and their bees are active. uh, I lost my And out and about. I know that's very sad. So depressed. All it's of very them. sad. Yeah, the winter took them. And I've oh. been talking actually at the show to lots of beekeepers. It was a tough winter for bees. Yeah. So we'll start again this spring. I'm got uh, going to have two hives this spring, and uh, I'm sure my friend Steve will help me out. We'll put uh, put some feral co- a couple feral colonies in there and hope for the best and build them up. And, yeah, it's, it's always sad. But hopefully all of our little native bees yeah. have survived the winter just fine because they're used to these really cold snaps. And yep. so if you're seeing pollinators out and they're not a honeybee, they're a wonderful little native bee and they should be cherished and enjoyed and appreciated as well. It's thrilling to see the change of the seasons. You know, I know that we're going to get cold. I know that yeah. we're going to get snow and, and we have a long way to go yet, but... We get to this far into the season, into March. It's that little light at the end uh, of the tunnel. Definitely. The days are longer. <laughs> the sun is a little higher. The birds are singing. Uh, remember, when you listen to those birds, 
The Organic Gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden. And a safer place to live.